Well, welcome to Calvary Chapel North Shore. We love to have you here. It's a great day. It's Resurrection Sunday. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get you a Bible. Anybody need one? Keep your hand in the air. They'll bring you a Bible. John chapter 20. Um, at the end of the service, we're going to the kids are going to do a song for you, and then they're going to do a little uh, egg hunt out there uh, for, for Easter. They're going to just go out there and get candy and stuff like that. Now, just so you guys know, we don't worship eggs and we don't worship bunnies. We worship Jesus Christ. Amen? So the kids are going to have a little fun and uh, get some candy afterwards. And then uh, we're not going to have any food today because we know that so many of you plan uh, lunches with your families, and so we want you to be with your families uh, we know that some of you were probably dragged here today because uh, your mom wanted you here or, or maybe you were bribed with brunch afterwards if you just came and hear the message. And we just want to welcome you because this message today is for you too. Uh, it's so great when you stop and think of all that Jesus has done for us, that he has made a way where it seemed impossible, but he paid for our sins on a cross, and as we worshiped on Friday, Good Friday, and what a great day that was. The, the, the crosswalk was awesome, and on the main highway, uh, just waving at the people. And I was so blessed to see how many people were responding to us, holding a cross, and Jesus loves you signs, and John 3.16, they were honking, they were excited, and we were being welcomed. Yeah, amen. We were being welcomed as we walked down Kilauea Road all the way to the church. And so uh, what a blessing that was. And I told the people Friday night that to me, Good Friday is sort of the most exciting day for me of all. Um, I love Christmas. I love celebrating the birth of our Lord. I, I love Easter. Don't get me wrong. But without what happened on the cross on Good Friday, without that, we would have no hope. Because that was where Jesus paid for your and my sin on the cross and gave his life for us because he loved you that much. Yeah, amen. He loved you so much that he died for your sins and now he presents every man and woman a gift. And the gift is salvation, eternal life, to live forever. So if you open that gift and receive him into your heart, you'll be born again, you'll be saved, you'll have eternal life, you'll go to heaven and you'll get a new body. But he won't force salvation on you. So if you reject it, the consequences are deadly. Darkness for all eternity, separated from the true and living God. That's why it's so important. If you're here today and you haven't made that commitment with Jesus Christ, I hope by the time you leave here, you get that settled. Because none of us know how long we're going to live. You might be here and say, you know what, I think I'm going to live forever. Or you know, or he might be one of those. But you might be someone that just says, hey, I'm young. I'm only in my 20s. I got a long life. You don't know. You don't know. You could go out this door right now and get hit by a car. You could go out for Easter brunch and choke on something and die. You, you don't know. It, really, it's going to be an encouraging message. Um, but I, I want you to leave here knowing that Jesus loves you. And he gave his life for you and that you could secure eternal life right now before you walk out of these doors. And I got to tell you, if that's you today, I hope you do it. Don't mess around with eternity. 
we're only here for a short time, but eternity is forever. And you're either going to be in eternity with him or you're going to be in eternal darkness. And it wasn't because he sent you there. It's because you rejected what he offered you. Jesus loves you so much. And so as we look today at this Resurrection Sunday, it's a story that you guys all know. And I'm so glad that the tomb is empty. Amen? I'm so glad. Amen. So let's begin as we read chapter 20, verse 1. Let's look at verse 1. Are you ready? Say amen if you're there. Okay. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now who's that disciple? John, right? John's really humble, though. He doesn't like to put his name out there, so he just refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And, he, and they said to, she said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter. So obviously he's not too proud to admit he outran Peter, but uh, John doesn't want to mention his name, right? And so the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went in the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there, but the napkin, the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and saw and believed. For as yet they did not know that the scriptures that it, he must rise again from the dead, and then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the other at the feet where the body of Jesus was laying. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is meaning teacher. And Jesus said to her, don't touch me, touch me not. Do not cling to me, for I have not ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Father, we thank you these powerful words lord god the tomb's empty you've risen you've finished the work we are so grateful lord i pray that you would open our ears to hear what you would have us to know today lord and draw us closer to you we pray for those who might not know you today that you would just prepare their hearts to receive the gift of salvation lord speak to us by the power of the holy spirit bless this time we ask in Jesus' name and all god's people said amen, amen. Whew. the tomb is empty. He's risen. You know, the amazing thing about when he rose from the dead, 
He spent 40 days after the resurrection hanging out with the people. It's highly documented. Jesus is amazing. This book has been absolutely true every step of the way. Everything that was predicted has come true. Jesus rose from the dead. He spent 40 days with his disciples encouraging them. There's more documented proof about his resurrection than anything else that he hung out with them, that he encouraged them, and it was just amazing. And then he ascended into heaven, and he told them all to wait for the promise and the power of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the get, receiving the power to do all things in Christ's name. And so as we look at this Resurrection Sunday, I, I, want, us to talk, I want to talk to you guys about three kinds of people today that we're going to see in the Scriptures. And this could, this could describe you. This could describe an unbeliever. This could describe a believer. But I want to share with you three kinds of people. Number one, we're going to see someone who is driven by love. And maybe that describes you. You're so driven by love. But what happens so many times when we're driven by love, we're so full of love that when our heart is broken, we become so broken that we can't see God which is the case of Mary right here. She, she, couldn't, she was standing right next to him. She didn't know it was him. Her heart was so broken. She was so full of love. She was so driven with love. And then the second type of person we want to look at is those who know the truth, but their lives are affected by the distractions of the world and the things that are going on around the world. Like maybe your whole life, maybe you're here today and your life seems like it's caving in and, and you're worried about world politics and, and you're so caught up with the CNN and Fox News Network that uh, you, you know truth, but then you're blinded to what God is really doing in your life because you're so consumed with everything on the horizontal and you've gotten your eyes off Jesus. Oh, you love Jesus, you're saved but you allowed everything else to take your attention away from God. And then the last person that we want to look at today is the person that really kind of describes us all, the skeptic. The skeptic. And maybe that's you. And maybe that's me. Maybe you're the kind of person when you find out certain news, you say, ah, I don't believe that. I'll believe it when I see it. Show me some proof. And many of us were like that before we came to the Lord, right? Prove it. Show me some facts. I, I, I got to tell you that sometimes I heard of people getting saved that I knew were just the nastiest people of all time, and someone said they got saved, and I'm like, no way. I'll believe it when I see him in church. And so many times we can become a skeptic. So you could be here today, and, and one of these might describe you, or you know what? All three might describe you. You might be somebody full of love. You might be someone who's been distracted by the things of the world. You might be someone that's skeptical. But here's the beauty the beautiful thing of this is that God will meet you right where you're at. He will meet you right where you're at. Because when we have such a broken heart that we can't see, when we get our eyes off of Jesus and all of our surroundings and what's happening and we're wondering why Jesus isn't stepping in, when we become skeptical, what could happen is we can lose hope. And when you lose hope, you can lose sight. And like the people that we're going to look at today, they lost sight to the point where Jesus was standing right next to them and they didn't even know it. Does that describe you today? Or are you just so full of love for Jesus that nothing else matters but Jesus? In Mark 16, verse 9, it speaks of this Mary that we read in John 20. 
And it says, now when he, speaking of Jesus, rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So we find out who this woman is. She's Mary Magdalene. She had seven demons in her, and Jesus cast them out. Now it says there in the first verse that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she gets there, and the stones rolled away, and the tomb is empty, and she's freaked out. Where's my Jesus? She got there super. Why is she there super early in the morning? Well, the other Gospels tell us that she was going to be meeting with the ladies to wrap Jesus' body in spices and, and linen and things like that to, to prepare his body. But that's kind of interesting because the other Gospels tells us that Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate begging for the body the day before, and Pilate gave it to him, and Joseph and Nicodemus brought the body down and had some hundred pounds of linen and aloes and spices to prepare the body. So, you know, they already did it. The women, including Mary Magdalene, were there and witnessed them taking down the body and wrapping it and putting it into the tomb. So why are the women coming this morning to do it? Because men did it the first time and it wasn't right <laughs> I think all I know is what's clean to me is not clean to my wife and so she gets there early she sees that the the tomb is open she runs she tells Simon Peter she tells John they have a race they race to get there John outruns Peter but what happens, John gets to the tomb first, but he doesn't enter. Why? He doesn't want to cross that line because it's feast time. And if you go into a tomb where a dead body's been, you're rendered unclean. You can't worship the feast. So he stops. He outran Peter. Peter gets there second, but Peter crosses the line first. He just goes in boldly where no man will go. I love Peter. He doesn't care. Where's my Savior? And when they get in there, what do they see? they see? They see it's empty. They see the linen cloths that were wrapped around his body. But they see the napkin that was wrapped around his head is folded neatly and set aside. Now, why is that important? See, if you know anything about the Jewish culture that when you ate with somebody, you became one, but you, you ate with them, you dipped into sauces and stuff, and, and they didn't have napkins. They, they would take bread, and they would wipe off their fingers and their mouth with bread, and they would throw it under the table, and this was the crumbs that the puppies ate. But if you were rich, if you were a king, you had napkins, and so when you got up as a king from the table and you threw down your napkin, it means you ain't coming back. But if you got up as a king and you folded your napkin and you set it in that place, it meant the king is coming back. He was sending a message. And they were excited. It says, then the other disciple, John, came into the tomb and he went in also and he saw and he believed for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went again to their homes. But Mary stayed there and Mary was there and she was outside of the tomb and she was weeping. And as she wept, she looked inside the tomb and she saw two angels 
white sitting at the head and at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laying. Now, this is really important. I don't know. Maybe it is for me. I got something out of this. I don't know about you, but here's the thing. This was a rich man's tomb. And if you've ever been to Israel, there's Golgotha, which is interpreted Calvary or skull. Did you know you guys go to Skull Chapel? That doesn't sound very cool, though, but Calvary sounds a little sweeter. But you've got Skull Mountain where they crucify, and then next to it is this garden. And there's the empty tomb where they had put Jesus, and it's a rich man's tomb because it's carved out of the rock. And it's a rich man's tomb because there was actually two compartments in there. There was, a, there was like one big area, but two-thirds of the area was the opening where you walked into, and then a third of the area was where the body was laid of our Lord. Now, the reason that's important to me, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe I'm just looking too into it, is because when you looked at Solomon's temple, when you looked at Moses' tabernacle, what you found was the holy place and the holy of holies was this big area, and two-thirds of the holy place was taking up that whole space, and one-third represented the holy of holies that was in a square, just like the tomb. Now, interesting, in the Holy of Holies was what? The Ark. The Ark of the Covenant. And what's within, what was in the Ark? The Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, and the golden pot of manna. On top of the Ark was the mercy seat, this golden mercy seat. It represented Jesus. He was our propitiation. He is the mercy seat. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, <coughs> excuse me, the high priest would go in and put blood on that mercy seat. And you wanted that mercy seat to be between you and the law because you know as well as I do in the Old Testament when people opened up the ark, what happened to them? They died. In other words, you don't want to face the law without having Jesus between you and the law, right? He's our mediator. When God looks at us, the Father, He sees Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus on our doorpost. You want Jesus between you and the law. So that was the golden mercy seat where the blood would be poured on on our behalf. And on top of that mercy seat was two angels, two cherubims with their wings spread out over the mercy seat. You, You see what I'm trying to say here? She looked in and she looked in that first room and she looked beyond into that second room and she saw this altar where the body of Jesus was laid and there was two angels, one at the head and one at the foot. And you know what they said to her? They said, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they have taken away my Lord, and I I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus stand there, but she didn't know it was him. Her heart was so broken, she didn't even realize it was him. And he says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Can can you imagine? Here's, Here's how powerful her love is for Jesus. This young little girl is going to carry big old Jesus' body wherever she has to because she loves him so much. That's the power of love. You've heard the stories when moms lifted up cars to save their child that was pinned under the car. That's the power of love. She doesn't care. Tell me where the body is. I'll take him. I'll carry him away. I just need my, where's my Jesus? And then he called her name. 
Now, if you look in the Bible, you see there's a lot of Marys that hung out with Jesus. So how do you know which Mary is Mary, you know, which one was her? I think that Jesus had a special way of saying each one of their names. Mary. Marie. Mary. But he said it in a certain way to where she responds and she yells out, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus says, don't touch me. Don't cling to me. I still have to ascend to my father. Now, why would he say don't touch me? Why would he say don't cling to me? Because the other disciples are going to touch him. He's going to say to Thomas, Thomas, put your fingers in my hands. Thrust your hand in my side. Why is, what's he saying to her? Well, you need to understand the word in the Greek is not a word for touching. It's, it's, a, it's a clinging. She she put a death grip on Jesus. She's like, you know, I lost you once. I ain't going to lose you again. I'm not letting go. And he's like, take it easy. I got to ascend to the Father. And then he says, go and tell my brethren, say, I'm ascending to the Father and your Father and to my God and your God. And with all the excitement, she runs out and she goes and tells the disciples that she's seen the risen Lord. He tells her to go bring the message. She's the first missionary in the Gospels. She's the first one to bring word. God used a woman to announce that he had risen. Yeah. Because he knew if you need to get the news out fast, tell a woman she'll spread it quickly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I got to say this. I think he told a woman, I think he told her, I think <coughs> he gave her that opportunity because I think Mary Magdalene loved him like no one else on earth loved him. I really believe that. You know why I believe that? I believe Mary loved Jesus because Jesus had delivered seven demons out of her. What was that like? Can you imagine? And how long did she have those demons in her? We don't know. We did, was that at a young age? Was her family caught up in a cult? Or was, what was going on? How did, they, how did that window, that door be opened up for these seven demons to come in? She's Mary Magdalene, Magdala is where she was from, where there was heavy prostitution and sorcery and stuff like that. It was a dark, dangerous place. And for some reason, she had seven demons in her. What was that like? How, how did she live? I mean, you ever had a bad dream? I mean, you ever had a bad dream like you're, and then you wake up, you're like, oh, oh, it's just a dream. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you have a dream that you accidentally ran over a loved one or that maybe you had a dream that you on purposely ran over a loved one and then the police are after you and you wake up, you go, oh, good, it was just a dream. This girl would wake up every day and it wasn't a dream. Her life was a living hell or, or should I say that hell was living in her? I mean, think about this. How long had those demons been in her? How long was she being suppressed? And at the moment that sometimes she would get a little bit of clarity to who she really is, and it was like she's in this deep, dark well down at the bottom, and these demons are overpowering her body, and nobody wants to hang out with her. She can't go to synagogue. No one wants to date her. She doesn't have any friends. She's an outcast. And Jesus comes along and he can look right down into the depths of her soul and see this little girl at the bottom of this dark well with these demons all around. And he casts the demons out and he lifts her out and she's alive for the first time. And now you want to ask me how you know that she loved Jesus so much? That's how you know. 
Because for her, just to have life again increased her love for Jesus. You know, it's so important for us to understand that. Jesus gave her her life back, and all she wanted was Jesus. And Mary didn't care about anything else. She just cared about being with Jesus and having fellowship with Jesus. She didn't care about all the chaos that was happening in Jerusalem and with Rome at the time. She didn't care about being famous. She didn't care what anybody thought about her. All she cared about was Jesus and having fellowship with Jesus. And I think that's why Jesus came to her first. Because nobody loved him like she did. Nobody understood what new life really was except for Mary Magdalene. Amen? She had this undying love. She was just so full of love. Now, if you turn to Luke 24, we're going we're gonna to look at those that love God, but life's so crazy, they have a hard time seeing God work. So if you turn to Luke 24, it's the famous story, uh, The Road to Emmaus. After the uh, resurrection, we see these two people. I think these two people are a husband and wife team. We don't know for sure. Uh, some have called them like two men. Uh, we know the, that one of them is Cleopas. Cleopas is mentioned in the Bible somewhere else, and he's mentioned of having a wife. So this could be a husband and wife team. But what's happening is this scene, uh, Jesus has been killed. It's been three days, and it seems that they're trying to get as far away from Jerusalem as possible because the, uh, the disciples were afraid. I mean, they were afraid. They thought they were going to be next to be killed. So they're making this run to Emmaus. And in Luke 24, look at verse 13. It says, uh, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all the things which happened and so it was while they were conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. So the things that were happening in the world and, and just the craziness and the nuttiness that was going on at that time had gotten so a hold of their lives, they couldn't see Jesus when he was standing right next to them. And I, and I got to say for us, too, sometimes we can let the things of this world overwhelm us so much that we don't even see God working when he is working powerfully in our life because all we can see is the storm. And he's like, I'm right here. And so he joins himself to them and he says to them, verse 17, what kind of conversation is this that you with one another as you walk are sad? And then one of those whose name was Cleopas answered him and said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which happened in these days? And I love Jesus' answer. He's like, uh, what things? He's always asking us, he's always asking questions. He's engaging the battle. He's always trying to get us to get involved in the, in the conversation. And so he says, what things? He asks a question that he already knows the answer to. And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to condemn him to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the, the one who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And yes, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came 
that they said they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, and all the prophets have spoken, and ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And he began at Moses and all the prophets, and he expounded to them in all the scripture of the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, the day is far spent. And he went in, and he stayed with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and they knew it was him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? So they rose up that hour and they returned to Jerusalem. So first they're trying to get out of Dodge as fast as they can. Now they've seen Jesus. They're coming right back to Jerusalem as fast as they can. So they rose up and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven. Those were with them gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. And then they told about the things that had happened on the road. And now he is known to them by breaking of, and how they were, he was known to them by his breaking of bread. What an amazing portion of scripture here. So they're so preoccupied with what's going on in the world. We can relate that sometimes we forget Jesus is still on the throne. Amen? And so he joins them. They don't know it's him. And then he starts talking to him. He starts explaining. He starts revealing Jesus Christ from Moses all through the prophets. He's showing himself on every page of the Bible. <clears throat> you know, if you walk seven miles or seven and a half miles, that's like a three, four hour walk. Can you imagine having Jesus talking to you for three or four hours? revealing the word of God to you from Moses on through the prophets. You know what I would pay to have that commentary or that podcast? I mean, I would just like to hear him talking for three to four hours, just describing himself throughout the prophets, throughout the scriptures. What an amazing thing that was, because they were going to say that his didn't our hearts burn while he was sharing the scriptures. Why? Because the word is alive and living, and he was the author and the fellowship of all of our relationship with him he's the author and the finisher of our faith he wrote the bible and who better to teach you the bible than the author and then he gets back to the house now check this out he acted like he's going to keep going jesus is a gentleman he's not going to force himself on you he puts the gift of salvation out there but if you don't want it you can say i don't want anything to do with you but when you do that you made that decision not him and so he's acting like he's going to keep walking, and then they beg him to stay with them. You know, there's a saying in the Bible, there's a verse in the Bible that says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks on every man and woman's heart. He's not going to force himself in. He doesn't have a key. He's not going to kick the door down. You have to open the door and let him into your heart. 
And he's standing at the door, at their door, and they offer, they say, you, no, come in, it's late. No, you come in, we'll break bread together and everything. And so he, they get in there, he breaks bread, and, and, and it says their eyes are open, and they see him for who he is, and then, boom, he's gone. Crazy. You know what I think happened? I think he grabbed the bread, he prayed for it, he broke it, and when he went and handed him, they saw the pierced hands. And they went, oh, my goodness, it's the Lord. And and then they hightail it back to Jerusalem to give the good news. We've seen him. He's risen. Oh, man. That's good stuff. Now let's look at the third person. Go back to John chapter 20. Let's look at the skeptic. We've all known skeptics. We've, we've maybe been skeptics, right? I think we've all been skeptical of certain things, right? You know, this, this politician is going to serve the people. I'm a little skeptical. We come to this famous story. It's the evening of the resurrection. Look at John 20, verse 19. Then the same day of the evening, being the first day of the week, so it's Sunday, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad and they, they, that they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So Jesus, they're all locked up in a room, because they're thinking they're next to be killed. Jesus just comes right through the walls. I like it. They freak out. They think they've seen a ghost. And he says, whoa, whoa, take it easy. Peace be unto you. Does the spirit have flesh and bones? Touch me. Why did he say flesh and bones? Why did he say flesh and blood? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and bones can. What, what, what's gonna, what, what are you talking about? All of Jesus' blood was poured out on the altar for us. Flesh and bone will inherit the kingdom of God because when we get our new bodies, we're not going to be blood-driven anymore. We're going to be spirit-driven. Woo! That's why you're going to look so good. Right? When Adam and Eve, who were spirit-driven, fell in the garden, they became carbon-driven, blood-driven, and they saw their flesh for the first time, and they hid from the Lord. Our new bodies are going to be flesh and bone. So when you get to heaven, here's the good news. You're going to see your dad. You're going to see your loved one. You're going to run to them, and you're going to be able to embrace them. It's not like you're going to run to them and go, whoo, whoa, there you, whoa, where are you? You know, they're not a spirit. You're going, to have, you're going to be holding on to them. Jesus says, grab me. I'm real. And then he says, hey, you got anything to eat? They go, yeah, we got some fish tacos. It's like, all right, let me have those. And so he eats fish, and he eats honeycomb. He ministers to them. He walks out, goes right out through the walls. The tacos don't fall to the ground when he walks out the wall. I mean, this is the kind of body we're going to have. You can eat all you want. It tastes amazing. You never gain weight. And that, that's the best, isn't it? You got that new, improved body. Jesus comes to him. He breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. They got born again right there. <coughs> I always hear people saying to me, 
No, no, people got saved at Pentecost. No, no, people got the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Jesus spent 40 days with the disciples afterwards. They were all getting born again, born again, born again, born again. He breathed on them. The Bible says in Corinthians that when we give our life to Jesus Christ, we are baptized and sealed into the body of Christ. They received Jesus Christ right here. And for 40 days, he revealed himself to his disciples. He had all of these followers. So when Pentecost came along, they received the power and the promise of the Father so that they could go out and do ministry in Jesus' name and in his power, not their own. This was a big day. But here was a problem. One of the guys wasn't there. Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas, right? Thomas, Didymus, means the twin. Thomas called the twin. One of the twelves was not there with, when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Skeptic. And after eight days, that means the very next Sunday, the disciples are gathering on Sunday. Why are they gathering on Sunday? Because that's the resurrection day. You can worship Monday through Friday. You can worship on Saturday. So it doesn't matter when you worship. I'm just telling you, the early church, this is why we gathered on Sunday. It was resurrection day. But any day is good to worship the Lord. And so they were gathered there eight days later. And this time, uh, when, when they, he they come, Thomas is with them. And Jesus came through the doors being shut. He just comes right in, just like before. And he stood in the midst and he said, peace to you. And then he said, hey, Tommy boy, I hear you've been talking about me. Check me out. Stick your finger in my hands. Put your hand in my side. It's me. I got a feeling that Thomas said, I'm good. Because then he says this, check this out. Thomas answers and said to him, this is amazing. He says, my Lord and my God. That's the first time in all of the Gospels that any man called Jesus God. My Lord, my God. And look what Jesus says to him. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you. We, love of God, we haven't seen. But, you know, just like when the wind blows, we can't see the wind, but we see all the results of the wind. We've never met Jesus, but we can see all the results of Jesus in all of our lives. Lives that have been transformed, marriages that have been healed, people that have come out of just drugs and, and alcohol and immorality and just transformed overnight. We can see the results of Jesus working in them. He says, Thomas, blessed are, you know, you believe, that's awesome, but more blessed are those that haven't seen and believed. I think that... Um, we can relate to all the three groups today. Some of you are so full of love, but when your heart's broken, you can't see God right next to you. I think some of us can get so caught up with news and politics and get so overwhelmed with it, we can't even see Jesus when he's working in our storm. And I think we've all become that skeptic that's so skeptical that we can't see Jesus working right in our midst.
But, you know, the good news is and the beauty of all this is that God will meet you right where you're at today. And that's the beauty. I think all three of these different things describe me. I've been there. And God just meets me right where I'm at. And I just want to close with this. I want to close with this by telling you that God loves you. God loves you. God paid the price for you. God is offering you the gift of salvation. Take the gift. Open it. Receive it. Live for eternity with the true and living God. We want to love Jesus just like Mary did. To where nothing else matters. That we don't care about the current events. We don't care about being famous. We don't care about what people think about us. We're just so in love with Jesus that that's all that matters. And all that matters is that we tell everybody about Jesus. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We've gotten that so backwards as Christians. Because we're all seeking all the things. And then when we have some spare time, we throw that time to Jesus. We got it backwards. You don't even have to ask for what you want. He already knows your heart. Just thank Him and say, Lord, I'm reporting for duty. Revelation 4, we were made for His good pleasure. Lord, I'm here. I'm here for your good pleasure. Got some ideas for the day, but come on in and mess up my plans. Lord, I just want to please you. I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus died on the cross for you. He paid for your sins. Take the gift of salvation. You might be here today and you think you got to earn it. No, you don't. You can't. I mean, I've talked to so many Christians so many times where they're like, you know, they're like, well, you know, I, I think I'm a good person. And, and they're like looking at salvation like there's, you know, God pulls out the balances, right? And if you're good, outweighs the bad then you're in. But if your bad outweighs the good, you're out. And then if everything kind of levels off, well, we'll all argue about where you need to go. That's not how it is. You can't earn it. There's no way. And a lot of times I'll talk to Christians and I'll be a little concerned that they don't know the real truth. And I'll say, how do you know you're saved? And you know what so many of them say to me? Well, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. You failed. The Bible says no one's good, not one. No, not one. How do you know you're saved? Well, you know, I, I, I serve, I do this, I do that. The Bible says my righteousness is as filthy rags. How do you know you're saved? I know I'm saved because Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose again on the third day and I called upon his name and asked for forgiveness of sins and he gave me the gift of salvation. I'm living forever. That's how I know. Amen. You're saved by what he did. He did it all. What did he say at the cross? It is finished. Th that means it's finished. Now all you got to do is respond to the finished work of the cross. Amen. I want to pray for you. Um, the kids are going to come up and do a song for you. Um, but I, I want to pray right now because there could be somebody out here that doesn't know Jesus, and I don't want you to leave until you know for sure you're going to heaven. And so it, everybody would close their eyes and bow their head right now. And if you're saved, start praying for someone that might be here that's not. Please, start praying fervently. If you're here today, 
and you don't know Jesus, and you realize everything that was said today is true, and you want to secure your eternal life, before you leave this building, you pray in your heart right now. Pray this with me. Lord, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid for my sins. I believe you rose again on the third day. I come to you and I ask for forgiveness of my sins. And I ask you to save me and save me now. If you just prayed that in your heart, just lift up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Is there anyone else? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I want you to know that you leave today confident that Christ is in you, the hope and the glory. He is going to give you the power to do all things in his name, and you are going to finish, and you are going to finish well because he's going to see you to the finish line. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. <laughs>